Welcome to the Changing Construction podcast brought to you by Mail Manager, the Outlook add-in designed by Arab to help companies get control of their email. Uh, thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Uh, the theme for today's episode is around procurement and operational project delivery in what is undoubtedly kind of un- uncertain times. We're delighted to be joined by Adrian Hill of Scape and, and uh, Guy Seward uh, from my esteemed colleague from Mail Manager. Uh, hi, Guy. Hello, Jacob. One of the things which we haven't talked about a lot in various podcasts which we've done is the role of procurement and also kind of finding a way to get projects done at the moment. So uh, on that note, delighted to be joined by Adrian of, of Scape. So um, Adrian, just kind of introduce yourself and kind of who you are and, and what, what Scape do, if that's okay. Yeah, thank you, Jacob. And uh, thanks for having me along today. My role is uh, Director of Operations at uh, Scape Group. And in short, I'm just responsible for managing the suite of frameworks that we provide to the public sector. That suite of frameworks consists of uh, three main categories. We have a number of frameworks which provide construction services through minor works, uh, major works, and also principal works. And so there's a huge variety of schemes there, ranging from small £50,000 minor work uh, jobs right through to principal works uh, jobs, which are you know several hundred million in there. Uh, value and size. We also run a uh, consultancy category um, which provides consultancy services, multidisciplinary services uh, to the public sector, anything from site surveys to design to uh, surveying and, and so on and so forth. And then it's also complemented by a civils category where we provide services which can include you know, roads and, and, and bridges um, but it also does a lot of flood prevention work at the moment and sea defence work. Mm-hmm. So quite a huge variety of, um, of, of products there. Uh, Scape as a business um, is a local authority owned uh, 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 built environment organisation. We're owned by six local authorities and uh, we actually set up as a contracting authority and central person body in our own right. So we actually go out and procure frameworks on behalf of the public sector and work with a variety of uh, contractors to deliver those services. Okay, great. And one question I kind of I, I had was like, just wondering how does this and what Scape do differ from maybe the, the traditional model in, in this area? Traditional procurement, it would be if you were a, a, a client, whether you'd be a, a local authority, a university, um, a college, um, an NHS trust, then, you know, you, you, you seek to and you have a, a building to build. And to be honest with you, Jacob, there, there are a number of ways in which you can procure that project. Um, you can go traditionally, you can go out to the market, you can seek returns and, and tender returns from any number of, of uh, contractors, depending on how many you want, to, you want to invite. You can go and use a framework that you might have set up yourself, or you can come to a framework provider such as ourselves. And there are many out there, and many, many of them offering very, very good services, but they're all subtly different. Some of them have particular specialists, so you know, uh, specialists in terms of housing or, or health. Others are more local in their delivery. Some offer opportunities for what we call multi-contractor choice. Um, and then there's ours, which um, we, we provide a single contractor opportunities through a framework. The one thing that, or the theme that runs right the way through that, of course, is that we're still, all contracting authorities, all local authorities and so on and so forth, are still bound by the uh, EU or the OJU rules, as they're known. And until there may be uh, such a time that, you know, we, we exit from the EU, um, those rules will still be in place. And 
The UK contracting rules are effectively an adoption of those EU rules. Um, and, you know, we, we hear views that they may or may not change. They may become less bureaucratic in the future, but for the time being, they are what they are and they will stay pretty much the same, we believe, um, certainly for the short term anyway. That's really interesting. And in regards to, you know, what's going on in the world at the moment with, with the pandemic, from yeah. people I'm speaking to, it seems like every part of the project process has been affected in slightly different ways. John, I'm asking, what things have you been seeing across the industry over the last few months from your angle? We've seen a lot. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I work with around about 18, 19 businesses. They they vary in their size. So, you know, we work with, for example, Balfabiti, um, delivering our civil schemes. We work with Waits, Wilmot Dixon, Kia, Lendlease in construction. We also work with some smaller local businesses as well, such as Seddon and uh, GF Tomlinson in, within our regional framework. But, but all of them have, have given over opinion of real variety in terms of what's been going on and and also not in terms of what's been going on in terms of how they've dealt with it but generally speaking there are things you'd expect to see you know we have seen some sites have to temporarily shut we've seen some sites that have carried on going but obviously vastly reduced uh, productivity levels we've seen our contracting partners having to very very quickly rewrite all their method statements um, to obviously adopt the CLC's new rules. And, uh, you know, they, they really have shown, I think, as, a, as an industry, how fleet of foot and how speedily they, they ha- could respond and how they have responded to this, if I'm really honest, Guy. I'm kind of not surprised. I, it doesn't surprise me. I, but I'm kind of, you know, just, just amazed at how much has gone on and, and, and what kind of things have effectively had changed. You know, for example, yes, you know, the way in which uh, people have to um, adhere to new rules on site, most of it is common sense, as you expect. It really, really is. The, the, the distancing thing, you know, it clearly can be applied in a, a wide variety of site settings. But it's things that I think most people don't think about, you know. So when you think of construction, you think about men and hard hats on site doing a job those that you can see it's the bits you can't see where where the cause is the biggest issue so you know the welfare for example um you know simply just being able to go to the toilet or be able to sit down and have some lunch you know those are the things that we're real innovative thinking has had to come out having lunches in kind of different stages and you know arranging desks in in a, in a lunch room that pretty much look like an exam hall now you know to keep people apart very very strict in terms of that regime so yeah we, we've seen an awful lot of, of very quick common sense application of thoughts and uh, innovation and and one thing that has you know i think amazed us all is the fact that construction has managed to carry on you know through this whole process it hasn't really stopped it's only stopped where people have actually chosen to put a stop to it if that makes sense yeah, completely. And, the, you know, the topic of innovative thinking is is really relevant at, at the moment. So, you know, from, from your role, kind of from an operations, you know, director's perspective, what are the things which you've seen being accelerated in, in industry? There's a number of things. So I'll come at it from the industry's perspective. So, yeah, again, you know, when you see what's going on on site so you know it, it's things and, and again common sense things and good practice that actually in a lot of cases was going on anyway so it's things what they call you know the, the, a couple of our contractors call them toolbox talk so they're communications that happen every day where the you know those subcontractors that are on site some of them obviously new so you're bringing in new con- subcontractors every day 
And it's just making sure that each and every site or the operative on site is aware of the rules, aware of the, the how things are managed on that particular site and, and good communication, you know, effectively is key. There are other things we've seen as well where um, there's, there's some wristbands that are being used where, you know, they actually kind of create an audible bleep if you enter within two meters of somebody else wearing them. So, you know, there's actual kind of, you know, almost sort of being ruled by electronics, if that makes sense. But again, simple thing and, and, not, and very obvious, but very quickly applied by the industry. Um, from our perspective, you know, because obviously we're not, as an organisation, we're not actually on site. The, the, the sites are being delivered and built by our contracting partners. So the bit that we're running is more administrative. It's more contractual. It's more, you know, getting over delivery agreements and so on and so forth. And one of the major things that, you know, we very, very quickly accelerated and it's proving its worth uh, really, really well is, is uh, the electronic signatory using DocuSign. And um, that has been tremendous. And, and that has really kind of revolutionized and speeded up uh, a number of the transactions that take place. We have found that uh, certainly within our clients, there are clients out there that always wanted to kind of put pen to paper, if that makes sense. You know, that's the kind of thing they've always done. DocuSign is very different from that. You know, electronic signatures are what they are. You, you basically just type your name in on a form. And, and it's amazing how many people are quickly sort of converts to that process. And are now saying to us, we ain't going back. You know, that's the way that's the way it's going to be. And it's interesting, you know, because a lot of local authorities out there, you know, normally if you're an officer in a, in a local authority, you know, you would have a delivery agreement. You'd need to get it signed. You'd walk upstairs or downstairs to wherever the senior person was sitting, and you say, "Can you sign that, please?" Well, you know, those days are, I think, are gone. And the new norm now will be doing things, you know, electronically, working from home a lot more, won't it? So. That for us has been the real, real step change. And again, a simple thing, an obvious thing. Some people might think, why on earth wasn't that there in the first place? I'd agree with them. But it's amazing, you know, how, I suppose, uh, old-fashioned some, some elements of the industry still was and how this sort of pandemic has very much accelerated modernization in a number of areas. It really has. So naturally, DocuSign represents those, those transactional efficiencies what represents the greatest opportunity for, for other efficiencies, either be it contractual or, or otherwise in a project? Perhaps that's also being applied in, in, in construction disputes, for example. In terms of procurement, there, there, there are things that, you know, again, but, but procurement by its nature is, again, it's a transactional process thing. So certainly kind of going, going digital, going electronic is, is the way to go, and that's where we're heading. We're very much now accelerating our ability to communicate with our clients electronically. Um, you know, we're looking and, and, and quickly developing an app where all of our processes and our forms and our agreements are going to be contained so people can get at them readily. You know, you become kind of less, what's the word, hands-on with clients and, and, and more kind of driven down that, that kind of road. But that's what's needed. And to be honest with you, that in itself, Jacob Guy, that, that creates efficiencies because, you know, before, you know, our, our framework agreements, for example, you know, their sheer size, you know, makes them almost impossible to send to anybody via email. You have to kind of chop them up into bits. Whereas if it's just contained within an app, it just makes life so much easier. There it is. People can get it. Client can get it. Can review it. See what they need to see. You know, job done in an instant. And 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 that for me, you know, is is the kind of efficiencies we're looking to do now. In terms of of whether the operatives and how things are working on site, let's be honest with you. This whole thing has, you know, and it's no um, uh, secret that 
construction uh, levels of productivity have, have been reduced. But I, I think in, in talking to industry over the last few days, you know, what they're saying now is that it's not about having to do something because of the pandemic. What they're now saying is that, no, this is the new norm. This is the way things are. So let's reset the bar. So productivities are now what they are now. They're not reduced. They are what they are. This is the new norm. And now it's about kind of finding ways to, to in, in better productivity within the circumstances that we have. Because, you know, a lot of our partners are saying that, you know, until some kind of wonder of science comes along and, and, and eradicates this, this virus, then, you know, things won't change. You know, the, the way in which they're having to run a site and, and, and deliver a site is kind of now ingrained. So it's about not looking back. It's about not looking at what things were. That's gone now. It's about now looking forward. And, you know, very much the mantra is, is about, you know, coming back now to, to sustainable uh, design, you know, climate action. You know, the, 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 a lot of our partners are now collectively, you know, kind of looking to, to lobby government to make sure that, um, you know, investment is focused in those areas and that we don't lose this opportunity to focus in on, on, on that kind of thing. And, you know, it's, it's just vastly important that we kind of recognise now, as I say, that it, things have changed almost in a permanent way and, and that we now need to kind of just see this as the new norm rather than, you know, returning to the norm because that simply isn't going to happen. Really important. And one of the things which stands out from the CLC's guidance is how there's going to be a need to increase the productivity as we kind of move into the restart phase. So from your point of view, do you think there's, um, or in your opinion, I suppose, do you think there's a risk that actually when things do return back to, you know, what we're all terming a new normal, do you think there's a risk that we then return back to some previous kind of habits? No, I don't think there is, Jacob. I personally feel, as I say, the, the, there's, with, with, with it, there's that old saying, isn't there, every crisis opportunity. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the partners are taking this opportunity to, to look at the way they, they operate. They will find efficiencies, I think, within their wider operation. I think will unfortunately lead to some some job losses. That that's I think is a it's just a, a, a natural occurrence, and it's an unfortunate thing. But I think that will happen. But in terms of day to day operations on site, I, I think what we're going to now see is is accelerated innovation in a number of areas that we were kind of almost toying with. So you know things such as using drones to to survey site work and to evaluate you know and the the, the value of work done, for example. So. You know, if you are a, a site surveyor or an architect and you're signing off the value of work done, you'd normally go and visit it, walk around and, and so on and so forth. Well, you don't need to do that. You know, you can just do it from a drone and see what's gone on and evaluate it in that way, perhaps. There are other things you know, around uh, off-site technology, for example, which, again, is going to be accelerated. You know, some of the stuff that's coming on site, pre, pre-designed, pre-wired, pre-built, you know, negates the need for two or three people to be closely sort of hemmed together within a small room, you know, enabled to kind of put all that together. So, you know, there, there are things I think that I'll say, the, the, the old way of working, it will be the old way of working. This is the new norm now, building on what the new norm is and building on, on an increase in productivity levels through use of technology and, say, through use of, of innovation that, as I say, we were toying around with before, which would now become very much the norm. BIM is another one. You know, BIM, to be honest with you, in the, in, in the construction industry is, is very, very well regarded. They invest a lot in it. Um, unfortunately, it's the client side that don't kind of and haven't kind of embraced it enough yet. And I think, you know, we'll start to see that uh, very much, that opinion very much change as, as people see actually there's a huge advantage of, 
you know applying design to BIM level two or even three when it's you know ready and yeah we'll, we'll see more of that. One thing we know is that procurement is going to play a really pivotal role in the industry's recovery from this. And I just wondered kind of how you think procurement might change or already is changing moving forwards. In terms of procurement, I mean, there are two sides. There are, there are two main sectors in the industry, both the private and the public. From talking to the industry, I think the private sector at the moment have, have retreated back. And that's no surprise. You know, a lot of the private sector investment is built on, you know, kind of uh, money that's derived, you know, from the city and investment and so on and so forth. It's very much been put on hold. I think we'll see, I think unfortunately we'll see the housing industry retreat a little. I think, I think some sites that were due to kind of open in terms of starting to be built uh, will be mothballed, unfortunately. So the private sector, I think, is going to see a bit of a downturn. I think the government personally are going to use the public sector as the catalyst for recovery. I think they'll be looking to encourage the public sector to, to use construction as that catalyst. Hopefully, you know, that we'll see, uh, as I say, climate and, and sustainable thinking and design built within that. That's something I'm really, really keen to see. But in terms of then procurement, what we what we must make sure is that um, you know we we we, we embrace the, the the collaborative nature and certainly the, the collaboration that CLC are calling for. And what we must do is, is look at ways and vehicles and methods that just bring clients and, and contractors closer together. The adversarial kind of nature that traditionally has been uh, part of procurement over many many years, for me, needs to fade. And, and what we can't have is, you know, the assumption that, that, that we have a, an almost hungry construction industry out there, you know, desperately wanting to win work, that that's not going to be the case. And so, we, you know, we can't have, you know, a return to some of the kind of, I suppose, cost-driven procurement that we saw before, um, particularly in the last recession, which only led, to, unfortunately, to the loss of, of, of some contractors. You know, they were taking on contracts that simply, you know, were losing money hand over foot. So yeah, procurement has a has a real important part to play, and I suppose you know for listeners out there, they would say, of course you'd say that. I run a series of framework, but you know what I'm calling for really there is is you know it's not just about my frameworks; it's about the many many others that are out there. They do offer good value. They do offer the opportunity to work collaboratively with clients and and with contractors and you know we just see far far better quality buildings produced as a consequence right the way through and uh, that's what fundamentally it's about isn't it it's the long term the long term value and the long term uh, quality of what's being produced that's so important do you think that procurement was changing and evolving leading up to this because it, it feels like it's taken some time to kind of ship move away from cost-based procurement to value-based procurement Yes, it's it's a slow process. It's, it's one that is still going to kind of kind of take time. And I, and I think the biggest issue is is the perception of value for money. So you know, if we go back you know years ago, the government when they brought out best value, very much set a set parameters to what best value actually looked like and what it was meant to be. And I think some of that kind of thinking has been a little bit lost. And I think you know, in in some cases, we have returned to the assumption that value is driven by cost. Well, it's not. I am a believer of you get what you pay for sometimes, and and that you know, if you do try and drive a process down the road that is driven on cost, you know, the contractor often as not will still find ways in which you know they they have to make sure that they're breaking even on it, and and. You know, it leads for me to kind of adversarial kind of approaches uh, and, and lesser quality. So, 
you know, we are seeing step changes. We are seeing frameworks used more and more. You know, we as a business have seen huge growth over the last five years in, in terms of the, the use of our own frameworks. Those other framework partners that we work with as well, you know, in the National Association of Construction Frameworks, NACF, for example, um, have also seen growth. We've seen the government launch their own, in, you know, which is provided by the uh, Crown Commercial Service. So, yeah, you know, that, that seems to be where, where it is heading. My view is, though, that, um, you know, once kind of Brexit is, is sorted and once, you know, we start to look at the, the, the procurement rules that, that we will eventually adopt, gives opportunity. So, you know, what is next in essence? You know, frameworks are the thing now, but, you know, maybe it's more around long-term partnerships in the future, long-term partnerships between a body like ours or a contractor or a set of clients, um, and just kind of looking at the long-term investment and needs of those clients to drive value in that way. They're just ideas. I don't know yet. You know, I don't know where that's going to fall, but I can certainly that's how it's going to evolve. And do you think in terms of, you know, businesses who are looking to change and kind of innovate their strategy, really, uh, you know, consultants, contractors who maybe historically haven't worked in the public sector, do you think we'll see, you know, more of those businesses try and move over to areas like infrastructure, for example? Yes, no, I, I think, I think, you know, if you are, if you are a, a business, which, you know, you, you, you've kind of set your strengths in certain areas, you know, I don't think you should, you should vacate from those. And, you know, we have seen businesses try and expand too quickly or too broadly, and, and they fail. You know, there's been some very recent examples of that, haven't they, of late, that are well known. So I personally would, would suggest that, you know, that we, we need, we need contractors, you know, who have, and businesses out there that, that, that trade on their expertise and that's vitally important you know what we don't want is is kind of spreading that out a bit too too broadly I I, I, I wouldn't necessarily think that would be a good thing personally I, I you know I, I do think that the, the, the businesses out there do really well and provide good quality products because they focus in on what they know and what they know best um, and that should be encouraged I think. Uh, yeah, that's a, a really important point. And you've already kind of referred to, I suppose, some of the behaviours which we saw in the last recession of a race to the bottom and suicide bidding, which which hasn't helped the industry at all. Just wondered kind of what role you think procurement can play and what procurement can do to discourage uh, history repeating itself. Yeah, I, I think I think in terms of procurement, uh, you know, they, they, I would be encouraging them to make some wise and correct decisions in in terms of their procurement strategies moving forward. I think you know it's, it, it is essential to create value and, and to drive value for money. But for me, you know, it's kind of trying to do that by assuming that uh, contractors are almost kind of overly hungry to win work at the moment would be wrong. So, you know, any kind of procurement strategies that involve kind of, you know, one in 10 or one in 20 opportunities, I think the industry is going to resist that. And I just don't think that those that are perhaps thinking on those lines are going to get what they want fundamentally. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, contractors um, are set up as they are set up. They are set up on a basis of, you know, a certain level of, of cost recovery and a certain level of profit. And at the end of the day, you know, like any private sector business, you know, they are obliged to make profit. And it's from that profit that, you know, enables them then to invest in innovation and invest in wider social value and, and invest in uh, more extracurricular activity that uh, we all want to see. And uh, without that, the industry just will stand still. So, so no, I, I, I very much, you know, would in, encourage and, and, and make sure that, um, you know, other, other means are used. And, 
yeah, I, I do hope that that's the case. So Adrian, you touched on social value there. Yes. When I looked, uh, when I looked the company up uh, before this podcast, learning in lockdown caught my eye, an initiative <laughs> that you ran. Yep. Do you mind me asking if you just to expand on that and tell us a bit more about it? Learning in lockdown, a, a brilliant idea of a colleague of mine, Chris Clark. Chris uh, kind of very quickly recognised that during this lockdown process, there were an incredibly large number of of school pupils out there. I have two here at home, albeit they're a bit younger, that are sat at home um, and would traditionally, during this period of time, would have been actually participating in some kind of work experience. We, We all remember, we've all been there, we've all been into the office and been kind of making tea and shredding paper and all that kind of thing. So... We thought, wouldn't it be a wonderful idea if we if we budded up with a few um, uh, key businesses out there that we worked with before, and offered some kind of week's work experience for for uh, uh, for pupils in in secondary schools, which we did. And 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 to be honest with you, it, it, it surpassed all our imaginations in terms of the numbers of, of, of schools that uh, wanted to be involved, the, the sheer number of pupils. I think in, at its peak, there was well over 25, 26,000 uh, pupils on the course. It was incredible. And it also captured, imagine the industry. All of our partners that we work with at the moment wanted to be involved. We're, we're backing it both you know, in terms of financing, but also backing it in terms of offering up experts to provide the work experience as well, which is you know, absolutely fundamental to it. Um, but it wasn't just partners we work with. We were being contacted by partners who we don't work with traditionally as well. We just saw it as something they wanted to be involved with. It was absolutely tremendous. Really did sort of, you know, bring the industry together. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, it, it uh, you know, it, it really did bring together so many different people on different levels. It was wonderful. So, yeah, a wonderful thing to do, a wonderful thing to be involved with. And I think in the, in the, in the long term, for us as a business, you know, it's it's we've always kind of wanted to, to and, and always have been in kind of a business, in, you know, in terms of wanting to encourage skills and, and, and job opportunities and to encourage people into the industry. Well, you know, this could be, you know, the launch of something very, very interesting for us in terms of, you know, being able to do that. And, and from a social value perspective as a business, yeah, it's, it's, it's tremendous, isn't it? It's beyond, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And as someone who's attempted, uh, I say attempted uh, a bit of homeschool, and I think we all uh, massively appreciate teachers Definitely. a lot more. Uh, I've, I've certainly decided that, uh, well, teachers for my own children should get paid 500 grand a year or so, or uh, something like that. So um, uh, one one uh, one thing we like to end each episode with, Adrian, is just, I suppose, a bit of advice for, you know, for any, any people in industry out there trying to kind of either restart and kind of get the businesses moving again um and yeah just wondered if there was any uh, from your point of view any kind of um any any tips yeah i mean from from my business's perspective um we've been fairly lucky in that we've been able to transition to kind of a home working arrangement pretty much overnight so we've been able to communicate we've been able to work together and we have a sense of camaraderie as well from it i think you know from the really the the advice i give is, is is really embrace that um, you know, is, is make sure that, um, you know, that, that everybody is, is, you know, safe and well set up at work in terms of their environment. But for me, you know, the biggest, say, the biggest step change and the biggest thing we've been able to do is, is to be able to immediately overnight switch to a homeworking arrangement. And, you know, let's bear in mind that most of well, all of my clients at the moment are, are, are in a similar situation. 
We've made sure that we've been very clear to clients and telling them that we're still here, you know, in both directly and through social media as well, um, that we're still here to help, that we're still already in waiting. And, and, and that's been, I think, very, very helpful to them. You know, we've had a, a number of, of people telling us that uh, that's been useful. The, the other thing as well is making sure that, you know, you put out good advice and, and assistance. So, you know, right at the very early part of, of the lockdown, um, it was abundantly clear that there would be contractual issues, for example, that would crop up. Um, we only use the NEC suite of contracts. And so we very quickly put out there just some advice, just, just encouraging people to focus in on, on certain clauses that are contained within the NEC. Fundamentally, again, it was about just, just good, obvious practice. It's about just sitting down with uh, as partner and client and, you know, kind of getting through these things in a collaborative way. So, yeah, for me, the best advice is say is embrace technology, embrace you know, technology that's enabled us to communicate and work virtually, but also make sure that as well, you know, you're able to focus in on what your clients' needs are and, and be on the front foot in providing good quality support and advice to them, which is exactly what we've done. That's brilliant. Well, thanks very much for coming on, Adrian. I hope, I hope listeners have found the episode um, uh, useful and, and relevant. I think um, there's just kind of two things which, which we're, we'd like to ask people to do at the moment. Um, it's been really heartening and kind of just great to see the podcast take off in the way which it has. But if you've enjoyed the episode, kind of rate, comment and subscribe to the channel. That'd be much appreciated. And then also if there's any, if there's any guests which you'd like, you'd like us to talk to, then um, get in touch. Uh, look me up, Jacob Wardrop on LinkedIn and uh, and we'll try and get them on but um, in terms of this episode uh, guy adrian thanks very much and uh, well look, look forward to ke- ke- keeping in touch um, with yourself adrian yeah and thanks for having me along i really enjoyed it thank you both thanks a lot thanks guy